Hey guys, what's up and welcome to Taking Over the Photo Pit, hosted by yours truly, Boston Schultz, where I interview badass concert photographers. And today I'm so excited because I am talking to someone outside of the United States, which is always very, very special to me because I love hearing about different countries and how their music industry is. But this is also a very special one because I met Pretty when like I've been following her YouTube channel for a long time and I will get into this but one of the reasons I started my YouTube channel is because there weren't many women on that space and her YouTube channel was the only YouTube channel that I found that was run and hosted by a female so we're gonna get into that because I think that her music photography is super special but i'm blabbing on way way too much and she is here so hi i am so excited to have you thank you so much for joining me pretty hi boston so let's just like dive into it can you tell me like a quick intro of like who you are how you got started in photography how long you've been shooting what kind of photography you do like tell me everything so um I am based in Manchester in UK. So for those of you who may be familiar with Manchester or Oasis, we, we have very close ties to Oasis. Um, we have a great music scene over here. Um, I have been shooting for, gosh, over eight years, something like that. It's been quite a while now. Um, and I gradually kind of went into it. It wasn't something that I went to... You know, I didn't study it at school, at college or anything like that. So what happened was I went to college and uh, I was at the time studying IT. So I was based in tech, but a different field. Um, after college, I went to university, did that whole thing, and then realised, actually, I don't want to be a web developer. What do I do? Um, so I graduated and then I worked at Apple for a while. Now, during that time, it was in the space of like 18 months, something like that. I was working with a lot of creatives, um, as you can imagine, and um, a fellow colleague of mine had just recently bought a camera. And at the time, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I loved, you know, point and shoot cameras, and I used to go to concerts a lot, but I didn't ever think, oh, wait a minute, you know, this could be something to get into. But um, following on from that, we I went backpacking, so I left Apple, and I thought, right, I want to go backpacking because it's, you know, it's been a bucket list thing. So it's now or never. And at that time, I upgraded from a point and shoot camera to a digital SLR. Um, and I took that with me on my trip. And during that time, I was working in Outback Australia for six months. And when I wasn't working, so I was doing night shifts there. And then during the day, obviously, you'd be sleeping, catching up on sleep. But in between the two things, I'd just pick up my camera and just start shooting and practicing. Um, again, I didn't think anything of it at the time. But when I came back, so fast forward, you know, a year, um, I travelled quite a lot around Asia and headed back. I thought, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I have no idea what, you know, I need a job, but I don't, I don't really know what's next. Um, at that time, it reminds me of now, actually, I came back into a recession, a very deep recession in the UK. Um, so timing was really off. And it, you know, it took me the best part of a year to find a part time job back in retail. And I thought, right, like, you know, 
I can either try this photography photography thing um, and see how I go because it's it's my only option really, and I love it, so why not? Um, and then I had a you know I was quite I wasn't close knit in the music community back then in Manchester. But I had a few friends that I'd met at Apple that were heavily into music. Um, and his name's Sam, actually. He got in contact asking if I'd be interested in doing, like, a portrait session for him. For, like, his uh, release, EP release. And I thought, yeah, why not? So we did, and it just kind of spiralled from there, to be honest with you. Um, accidentally fell into it. So leading on from that, I started shooting weddings because, of course, you know, at the time, I didn't know much about the business element of things. Um, when it came to photography, so I shot some weddings and then started to be approached, you know, um, by bands and artists for more sort of portrait sessions. And then it's kind of spiralled from there, really. Um, and here we are. I love it. So, like, you have a strong background in, like, portraits and stuff. How did you start getting into, like, live music photography? Was it just with the relationships that you built with these artists and stuff that you just started going to concerts as well or how did that come about so um again back at apple my um an ex-colleague of mine james at the time he was an amazing photographer like commercial work and we got into a conversation about just music photography and um and i asked him i said you know what like how does that work because i don't i wouldn't know where to start with it really and he told me the process of obviously applying for um, press passes and how to approach uh, the venues, just the different avenues that I could try. And again, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but I thought, I really love music. I go to concerts anyway. So <laughs> let's, you know, let's see what happens. Um, yeah. So then I started to apply for press passes just at the smaller venues because um, they're just easier to get into. And then as I started doing more of that, I started to make contact within the industry, sort of in Manchester. Um, and Manchester's quite, um, like it's a big place, but it's a small place at the same time. And then through word of mouth and my website, um, I started to get more bookings and just inquiries through for, specifically for live photography. And then I kind of niched down yeah. to live work and portrait sessions. So it's like an accident, really, that I fell into it. <laughs> That's so funny. I know that, like, a lot of people, when they get started in the music industry, they say something very similar. That's like, you know, I love going to concerts. I've been going to concerts, so I might as well, like, take pictures. Um, at least that was, like, my take, too, when I got into it. So it's funny to, like, hear you say that and say that you just kind of, like, fell into it because your work is incredible, and I've... I love seeing your images and stuff. I think that, seriously, it's incredible. So to have hear you just say, like, oh, yeah, I fell into it. It's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I get that a lot, like, when people ask. I'm like, yeah, it kind of just happened accidentally, really. Um, <laughs> and I don't think it's one of those things that you maybe think. I mean, I think now it's changed because of social media. Um, yeah. And I think people are more sharing sharing their stories on how they got started like what you know what we're doing here um so yeah. you know the future generation do have not like a path but they do know that it's an option where else when I was growing up I didn't know it was an option um I wasn't exposed to that you know 
to the industry, I guess, um, in that way. So, yeah, it was just kind of, I just kind of landed into it, really. So switching gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about your YouTube. So this is kind of how I came across your work originally. And like I said, kind of in the intro is when I wanted to start my YouTube channel, I felt like there wasn't a voice for women in the industry. I felt like there were weren't a lot of people like telling their journeys and how to get started in the music industry that like I could relate to in any way. And when I was doing my research like into what was on YouTube, I came across your YouTube channel and like just I think I've watched every video on your channel. But I wanted to talk a little bit about how you got started on YouTube. Like why did you want to make a channel? Like what was really driving you to like put yourself out there on YouTube? So it's probably, you know, along the lines of what you were thinking in terms of um, the, when I first started out, there wasn't very many females in the photo pit for one. Um, it was very much, you know, male dominated. And when I was trying to kind of connect with just industry peers, I wasn't really getting anywhere with it. And so I thought, why not just set up my own YouTube channel um, where I can just share my experiences and hopefully yeah. it will turn into a platform where, you know, people can sort of learn from. Um, at the time, I was getting a lot of emails just asking me, you know, questions about how to get into music photography, um, things like that. And I thought, if I just create these videos and put them on YouTube, I can redirect them to my channel and hopefully there'll be a bit of a community feel for us. Um, Because I really struggled to connect with sort of, you know, photographers in the industry when I first started out. Um, So I think I was doing it more for myself and to kind of pay it forward really to people that were starting in the industry that uh, maybe don't have the support um, to kind of progress into it. Yeah, I I totally get that because that was one of the reasons I wanted to start the podcast too, is just offer a platform where people can talk about like getting started in the music industry and like tips and advice and just like kind of all of the stuff because it is, it's definitely different in each city and each country, but like I've heard over and over again that it's so hard to get started and like people don't really know you know what to do how to start out so it's really it's really great to see other photographers you know putting themselves out there and helping to give back and teach like kind of the next generation of people I guess (laughs) or anyone that yeah wants to get started yeah definitely I agree with you on that entirely um I think it's a lot more open now um where else I feel like in the past maybe for one reason or another photographers maybe felt a little bit not afraid but a bit more sort of um I don't know what what the right term is you know just kind of not being as open with processes or the support um you know I reached out to a lot of photographers when I first started out and pretty much got a nil response and the response that I did get from one photographer is the, you know, is the person that I kind of thought, yeah, there are still good people in the industry. 
Um, yeah. It just takes a while to get through them. In a similar way, you also offer like teaching and photography like resources on your website. Was that something that like you wanted to start doing for kind of the same reason? You just saw a demand for people coming to you asking those questions? Exactly that. So um, I've been quite lucky enough to kind of work in different, um, I guess, different branches of photography. So I started out as a photographer, but then I was approached to do some photography sessions for a company over here in Manchester. And at first I was a bit like, I don't know about this, but then when I did them, I really enjoyed it. And then I thought, actually, yeah, this is really great because why not, you know, similar to the YouTube platform, why not share my experiences um, in a different sort of format? Um, and so then I thought, you know, why not offer classes if, people are interested in you know being a part of that then they have the option to do so um yeah and it is it's paying it forward you know to people whether they want to have a business at the end of it or whether it's for um you know just their own personal sort of hobby um so be it nice yeah there is there's another question that i have on this list that i just want to dig into right now because I think that this is so amazing that you've done this is you were featured on like BBC's website for like how to be a music photographer and tips for that and this goes in line with like everything that we've been talking about teaching and like resources but like how on earth did that come about that you were you know featured on the BBC that just like that blew my mind when I saw that I was like this is awesome Um, with that, so they actually reached out last year. It was around about April, May time. So I actually had a baby last uh, March. So um, oh, thank you. So um, during that time, I mean, after eight weeks, I got back to it because I was going, God, you got to go crazy with a newborn. So I was like, yeah, let's get back to work. And then I remember just getting an email. And, I, you know, when you do like a double take and you think, oh, wait a minute, is this email real? <laughs> I did that. <laughs> so I was like, I've always wanted to do something with the BBC, um, but I've never really kind of, you know, done anything about it or been proactive. Um, so they reached out and just kind of explained that they are, um, they had a campaign running for, it's basically industry jobs um, for 11 to, 16, 11 to 18, I guess, um, and how to get into the industry and um, sort of like the back process of it, I suppose and they were doing interviews with a whole bunch of different creators so there's like videographers there was sound engineers in the industry things like that um through festival season last year and you know would i be a part of it and obviously i was like yeah of course it would be (laughs) um so yeah they just um i think it was through my website and seo really that they found me um and approached me that way but I was super excited to be a part of that and you know even now um I'm really proud of that because it's, it's taken a while to get to that point where I've been able to work with um certain companies and places yeah yeah I want to dig in more with like the publications and stuff that you've been on but I think that that's such a cool little tip for everyone out there listening is like your website and your SEO, you know, means a lot. I know, <laughs> I know a lot of people like hate updating their website and having things, you know, doing your website is like a whole thing. 
but if they just like came across you and your work through your website that's that's incredible and shows how important having that stuff up to date is it really is and i think you know a lot of um photographers underestimate the power of a website um yeah if you think i mean google is literally the first thing that you're going to do when you're looking for some you know for a, a product or a service 99 percent of the time and it's once you've got the basis of your website or the structure there it doesn't take a lot to keep that updated with a blog so all you have to do is you know just share recent work it doesn't have to be 10 photos it can be one photo a week one photo a month something like that to keep your website up to date relevant it sells google that obviously you're still around and your work's relevant your photographer available for work and potential clients you know when they see up-to-date work on your website again they're more likely to hire you because it's it's all relevant and it's there isn't it um it's one of the best marketing tools and it's 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 really low cost marketing tool for photographers and so definitely recommend it definitely get on the seo on your website absolutely what great advice i don't think i've talked about websites on this podcast at all but that yeah great advice um talking more about like the publications that was something that like i came across when on your website is you've been printed in some pretty popular magazines. So I wanted to talk about like how you got photos in publications, how you made those relationships and connections. So it's it's taken me quite a while to get to that point. Um, so when I first started, I think that the first couple of years it was just shoot, 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 and trying to get my style. Um, mm-hmm. Because it comes with time, doesn't it? You'll know yourself as a photographer, but you can't use your style of work doesn't happen overnight it's a gradual process yeah. um and i was getting frustrated at the images but eventually um i started to contribute to fly magazine which is it it's not in um, print anymore unfortunately but that was on a contribution basis so that was free i wasn't getting paid at that point um and then i kind of worked my way up through blogs and contribute into blogs again a lot of it was unpaid um and then mm-hmm. over the past couple of years is when I sort of started to kind of go down the right route of getting paid work for publications so um last year I had a I had quite a few actually um Manchester International Festival I had the opportunity to work with them which was amazing and Janelle Monet was playing at Castlefield Bowl here in Manchester um, as part of that festival. And so one of the shots from there, well, actually three or four of those shots were published to a few different publications. Um, wow. And that was through the festival itself. So I think what I'm trying to get a point, uh, the, the point across is that there's no one way of doing things. So in that scenario, my work was pushed by the event organiser. You know, the people behind mm-hmm. the festival. However, in the case where my work has been published to Karanga magazine, that was me working directly for Karanga magazine on a freelance basis. So it's, I guess it's leveraging your photos and, you know, not letting them sit there in one place um, and kind of reaching out to publications um, and being proactive about what you do with your work. So you might take a photo at a concert 
don't just leave it on your hard drive you know put it on your put it on your website put it on instagram put it on twitter um these are all free marketing tools to get your work out there and in time you'll be able to kind of you know shoot for the publications hopefully um again actually ask the artwork editor Rang how he came across my work and said it was your website or Instagram. You couldn't, you can't remember, but it was one of the two. So it just goes to show how important it is to, you know, keep publishing your work on different platforms. Nice. Yeah. This is such good advice because, and something that even I struggle with is sometimes I'll just like sit on my photos and like not do anything with them. And it's like, no, okay, no one cares about photos from, you know, three weeks ago. Um, There's definitely like, you just putting yourself out there helps so much in this industry. And it's a lot of, a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily go above and beyond to reach out and communicate and network with all these people and make sure that, you know, their pictures are being seen by everyone. So I think that's great advice. It's true. And the other thing is, is that, you know, in the case that you do want to shoot for publications, um, don't be afraid to reach out with a portfolio mm-hmm. in a different manner. So if you think of how many emails a person might get, especially at these top magazines, um, you need to kind of, you know, differentiate yourself a little bit. Um, and that doesn't mean that they'll, one, reply, and two, that they'll be interested in working with you. With Kerrang! Magazine specifically, I actually got in contact with them on several occasions through the last year, you know, through the however many last few years. Um, and then I kind of just let it go for a while until I had a bit more of a style to my work that maybe met the magazine a bit better as well um and then they approached me because you, you just don't know the timing so yes you might get like 10 no's from one place it doesn't mean that that's a no for you know the good if that makes sense um totally and i think a lot of people yeah. get put off by that because it's you know, you, you love what you do, don't you? When it comes to music photography specifically, it's um, I think you have to be a very passionate person to really get out there and do it because it's not an easy industry. And so sometimes you might feel rejected, but you know, does it matter in the long term? You know, the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really, does it? If you if you're able to get to your goal that you've got in mind. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think in a lot of industries, um you know, you kind of got to get used to people saying no and used to people like straight up ignoring you. I, I can't, I can't even count how many emails I've sent out to publications, artists, whatever, um, that just have gone completely unanswered. And it's like, these people are busy, you know, if they don't have any use for what I'm offering them, they're obviously going to ignore me. Like there's, Sometimes just like uh, silence is also a no, but you also have to get used to hearing no and um, like being ignored pretty much and then keep working. Like don't let that, I guess, unmotivate you uh, because there's someone out there that's searching for what you offer. It's just, it is a hard industry and you have to get used to hearing people say no. Totally agree with you on that. It's um, I think it's 
it's, I wouldn't say it's harder now. It is hard because there's so many photographers, but at the same time, that's it's, true. It's, it's where you look at how how can you build, start to build a relationship with your contact. So in the case that you're emailing someone, how can you make that a bit different? You know, maybe email's not the right way of doing it. Maybe printing like a hard um, a hardback portfolio book and sending that to an office to an editor or something like that. Something that's you know going to actually make them look twice at your work um you know just try and set yourself apart a little bit um i think that goes i think that get, gets you you know a little bit further just being a bit different in your approach because in this digital age it's very easy to think digital is the only way but actually no i think it's great to take a step back and kind of go to a traditional marketing method sometimes so you know it, it gets you gets you noticed nice great advice um one thing that i wanted to mention from your website that really stood out to me is that you have like a page or a note on your website that talks about unsigned artists and that you offer like special rates for them and like want to collaborate with them and this was really unique to me because it's something that I do, but I don't have it on my website. So like I reach out to local artists here in Los Angeles and offer special rates to them because I know that they're struggling. There's so many bands and stuff out here and I just try and help them kind of put their work forward. Um, but like your website kind of blew me away in this fact that like you actively like talk about this, that you want to help unsigned artists and work with them. And I really wanted to hear your take on like why you put this up on your website, like why you wanted to offer this. Um, yeah, just I, I wanted to hear more about it because I've never heard of someone else that was openly like, yeah, I'd like to work with unsigned artists. And I know that they don't have necessarily a lot of money to offer. <laughs> so with the unsigned artists, um sort of section of the website, it's one, it's marketing because it's, you know, it's niching down on the people that you want to work with. So for me, especially when I was first starting out, that was literally my sort of main clientele because I hadn't worked with any publications or anything like that. So who was going to pay me? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, unsigned artist, sure, they might not have a huge budget, but nine times out of ten, they will have a budget. Um, True. And then what happened was, as I started to work with bands, um, I really, obviously, I was learning as I was going, and my style was getting, you know, finding its path or whatever. And then to this day, I still have it on my website because what I've noticed is when you go to say for example you work with a band that's been in the industry for like five years their mm -hmm. attitude is very different to someone that's just starting out because the guys that are starting out and are unsigned it's almost like they have this bit of magic about them still because they've yeah. not they've not they've not been um they've not had to deal with the crap of the music industry yet it's not just another photo shoot for them it's maybe their first photo shoot or the second photo shoot. Everything's still so new to them. It's a different type of energy. And that is not to say that, 
you know, the guys that have been in the industry for five, six years that are signed and have been in Kerrang magazine don't appreciate you the same. It's just that the energy is different because this is like their thousandth photo shoot and they've got into the, do you know what I mean? It's that element of it. Um, and I really wanted to kind of just give back to, you know, the guys that really were my first sort of clientele. Um, when I was first starting out, so I think it's a great way to give back to that, to the music industry in general, but to keep that sort of uh, circle going because everyone needs good photos. It doesn't matter if you're an unsigned band or a band that have had, you know, a million photo shoots. Actually, I think it's more important for the unsigned artists to have um, professional photos done because it's actually a artist development. Um, what's the right word for it? You know, like a step in their artist development. So it's up to you as a yeah. photographer to work with them to get the best from them yeah. to kind of demonstrate what their music about music is about. Sorry. Um, so there's quite a few different elements, but I don't think I'd ever take the unsigned artist part off my website because um, I absolutely love working with them. The other thing is that you mentioned about budget. Um, with the unsigned artists, they, they do tend to have a budget, which might not suit you as a photographer. However, what you will find is depending on how you market yourself as a photographer, um sometimes they'll increase their budget because they see that you're the right photographer for them if that makes sense so it's like a two-way um dialogue really with that yeah definitely a, a lot of what you said like really resonates with me and how i've worked with uh local bands here in my area because you're you're 100% correct like they might not have a big budget but at the same time they do have a budget they know how important photos are for them and yes you can definitely like work with them or uh present yourself in a way where they understand the value and then you're going to get paid more for that um how it's normally worked for me is like i've built relationships with these artists that they keep coming back and exactly, like a, exactly yeah yeah a small budget you're like oh it's a small budget for like this show but you have a returning client that you know every time they have a local show or whatever you know you're there and they're they're paying you like every time and I have a few of those bands that I love them and like when they hit the stage the the vibe of it, the like spark and the magic that you were kind of talking about, they really have it. And it's so nice to kind of be able to photograph these bands that are, you know, putting their 100%, you know, into every single show. Not saying that like, you know, signed artists and everything aren't putting that much effort into shows. There's just like something unique about local exactly. bands. That, but also you can kind of, you like you say with the ongoing relationship and returning clients it's um it's amazing to see a band play to a room you know with 10 people in it and then two years down the line they are yeah. selling out a 2000 3000 cap venue 
Um, and that's happened quite a few times with some of the bands that I've worked with. And they're doing absolutely amazing. And you get to see that progress from five to ten people in a room, literally to sold out venues. And there's something quite special about that. Whether you get to work with them long term is another thing because I don't know if it's something that you've experienced, but clients will go elsewhere sometimes because maybe your style of work doesn't suit them any longer. Um, things mm-hmm. like that. And so it's still amazing to kind of have had that relationship with them to a certain exactly. point. Um, and it's, I think it's really special to, to, to kind of be able to work with people at that point. Okay, so this is a new question that I wanted to start asking because it came up in a previous podcast episode and I thought it was such a unique way of thinking about like what our career goals are and like what people want to do with the music industry and photography. Um, So I wanted to ask you like what does success look like to you when it comes to your music photography career? Honestly like (laughs) this is gonna sound really like I don't know but what when I first started out like, I was definitely one of these people that have got, um, you know, like posters and stuff like tear ups and Metal Hammer magazine and Kerrang magazine, things like that. And so for me, my long-term goal absolutely was shoot for Kerrang. And then this happened, like, probably, like, 18 months, two years ago. And honestly, since then, I've been like, okay, so what's next? Um, obviously, I want to be um, jumping on tours at some point. Um but I want it to be the right tour as well. I don't want it to be a wrong match, if that makes sense. So I'd yeah. just, you know, I'd rather be patient and work with the right clients than be a rushed sort of job. Yeah. Um. But also, there's still a few public. I mean, Kerrang at the moment is it, it's not live at the minute because of everything that's happened with COVID. They have to um press pause on the magazine, which is absolutely devastating, really. Um. But hopefully that'll resume at some point. But, you know, there's still a few publications. Like, I'd love to see my work in Rolling Stone. I'd love to see my work in Metal Hammer magazine. Um, And concert-wise, I mean, I don't think I could ever get bored of it. So I think because I'm genuinely passionate about it, and I've, you know, I've been doing it for so long that it's it's just a part of you, isn't it? I'm sure you can um, relate to that. And yeah. for me, I think success is just being able to enjoy it and keep going to these shows, keep doing the portrait sessions. Um, I'd love to work sort of, you know, a bit more with portrait sessions and more sort of um, mainstream bands as well. You know, people, you know, the guys that have kind of gone on to do more in terms of touring and things like that. Um, yeah. And education, definitely. I'd love to do like, you know, like talks, even like podcasts, things like that, that, you know, can really help other people move forward in the industry um, or get started. And there's a lot of digital yeah. things that I want to do. So um, the online courses that I offer, um, I've got a bunch of things. Sometimes I just don't have enough time in the day. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I just, I just think success is just, you know, being able to do what you love to do. Um, yeah, I love that. And honestly, I love hearing that, you know, your success for a while was to be in Krang and you did that. 
like that's that's awesome that's incredible to like have a goal when you first start out and then you're like oh so I did that <laughs> now what exactly. this is it and it was it is even now I'm like now what especially like with this whole COVID thing it's really been a great opportunity to step back and kind of reassess you know what's next yeah. type of thing um and maybe focus on other areas of, of the business um on my freelance work but there's still things that I want to do um with it really yeah there's always going to be like something else but I think that what you touched on is like to be happy and to be excited about going to these shows and like still doing the thing that you love I think that that's super important to just keep going like people get burned out otherwise and I think that uh this whole like quarantine covid situation is helping people realize that like you can take a step back and think about what you want to do and like make sure that you're really happy doing the things that you are doing so I think that's a great note to point out definitely and I've had similar conversations you know with friends and things where they've been like oh it's been it's been great sort of reflection um on on what's important but like you say, the burnout, especially with music photography, it's real because, like, last year, for example, so I had my, um, my son in March, and eight weeks later, I was like, right, I want to get back to it. And we were going into festival season, and um, I didn't do sort of the ones out of Manchester because I was breastfeeding babes, so it was sort of like, you know, timing and things. But certainly the ones that I did in Manchester and even the um, concerts, it was very much put on so we'll go in the evening um you know to to the concerts and then the editing you know thing you know in terms of turnaround time with clients it's pretty much the the photos need to be there next day early morning so I wasn't getting home till you know past midnight and then I had to edit those I'd be up till about two in the morning something like that sending those off and then the baby would be awake three or four in the morning for feeding so it was very much you know, it's trying to do that balancing act too. But there are, you know, there's a lot with music photography that people think, oh, wait a minute, it's really easy, but it's not. It's it's hard work and it's, you know, it's um, undervalued, I think, to a certain extent as well. Um, but you do really have to, you know, be passionate about it, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, festival season and, like, doing photos late at night to get that turnaround, that's rough on everyone and honestly I cannot imagine having to like come back to feed a baby and take care of another child while I'm like editing photos I I honestly I don't think I can do it but that's just me (laughs) (laughs) it's hard work but like you say it's a passion that drives you I think with uh, photography um and and that's why it's important to you know to be happy in what you're doing definitely love hearing that Okay, so I wanted to switch gears for a second because um, one thing that we didn't really talk about yet is your travel photography. And I know you touched on like traveling a little bit um, in kind of like your intro, but I got lost like looking through your Etsy because your travel photos on Etsy are incredible. And I was just like scrolling through each page being like, wow, that's a great photo. Wow, that's a great photo. So you have such a great eye for travel photography um can you tell us a little bit more about like 
that because you were traveling for quite a while and that's kind of just how you got started in photography in general correct that exactly right yeah so I didn't realize that until um you mentioned it on email so um with the whole traveling aspect of things um I went traveling I picked up the camera and I was practicing as a as I went so I was in Australia for maybe about seven eight months then I went to Thailand, I did Bali, I did Tokyo, I did Hong Kong. During that time, wow. the only consistency was my camera and I was still learning. But um, the thing is, is that with, you'll know yourself with photography, it doesn't matter if you're photographing on a camera on your phone or an actual digital SLR or whatever you're using. It's, you know, the yeah. photos that you take, isn't it? So um, through time, it's just, I guess my eyes just got sharper with travel photography. And then even when I got back, you know, I just love travel. So whether that's in the UK or abroad, um, I just kind of started taking a bit more of a note, taking, yeah, taking more notice of, the, you know, the travel aspect of things and documenting it, I guess, as things were happening. Um, and a lot of it's landscape, which actually I didn't realise um, until very recently. And then it was like, one of those where I thought, right, I've got all these photos from so many different trips through the years. They've been sat on my hard drive for absolutely ages. I thought, I do want to do something with them. I'm just not sure what. Um, and what's funny is a few years ago, I did like um, a little um, exhibition here in Manchester. And at the time, the um, staff members at the um, galleries asked me, they were like, well, why are you not doing anything with your travel photography? And, you know, it just didn't register. And then through lockdown, I thought, well, why do I not just put them online? And then if people yeah. want to buy them, then great. And if not, then whatever. Like, at least they're listed somewhere and they're not just going to be sat on my hard drive. Um, and so then I thought, I'll just try Etsy because I've had a couple of conversations recently with um, you know, illustrators and other photographers. And I thought, mm-hmm. right, okay, let's just try Etsy because um, it's quite a popular sort of platform. And I listed them on there and I've had a few sales actually, which is brilliant. Um, but I thought it's just another revenue stream for me, you know, in terms of income. Um, yeah. And it's just convenient at the minute because I'm looking after my boy full time during the day. So I can yeah. work around that. So if I do get orders, I can sort those out without having to be away from home. Um, so, yeah, it's just, again, it's kind of happened by accident because I've already got the work there. But um, like you said earlier, you know, there's no point sitting on work, is there? So I took my own advice there <laughs> and just kind of um, I thought, why not? I'll just put them on there. Because I do enjoy travel photography. And, you know, it's one of those where just do it it's just something that comes naturally to you isn't it when you just take a photo I thought it's so funny that like this came like so naturally to you because whenever I try and take like travel or landscape photos I always think my photos are so bad and <laughs> I don't know I think we're our own worst critics that's the other thing oh that's true um, <laughs> because I'll tell you what's strange not strange but what happens is it's like when I'm working with clients, some of my some of my photos that I think, oh my god, this is this is really awful. The clients really love them, um, but I cringe at them. Like I always think, do I even send this one? 
but it, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's so subjective. Um, yeah. With photography, and I, I've always struggled with that, and I still struggle with that now because my favorite shot doesn't mean it's going to be someone else's favorite shot. Um, yeah. It's quite hard to navigate sometimes because you pour so much of your, you know, your own passion into it. I, I, I think. Yeah, that's that's a great point. It's been really interesting that one of the local bands I've worked with has kind of like highlighted that for me that like what I think is a great shot isn't necessarily what they think is a great shot and what they think is a great shot. I'm like, I wouldn't necessarily show this. And that came up once when um, the band was moving around a lot. And I had a handful of images that I thought were like, okay, but there was a lot of motion blur in them because I wasn't shooting fast enough um, for how dark the venue was. So I was like, I don't really like these. Like they're not technically correct because like there was motion blur in them. And the band was like, these are incredible. We love the way that like it looks. It makes us look like we're really engaging and really exciting. And I was like, holy cow, like I would have never sent those to you guys. Like they just happened to see them. And it's so interesting that like things that other people are drawn to, um, you know, might be totally different than you, like what you like. And I see that all the time and I, I try and get over it, but I am definitely my worst critic. And especially when it comes to landscape photography, I don't think I'm good at it, but I keep trying. I keep trying and then admiring other people's travel and landscape photography in the meantime. It, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you're constantly looking for the next best shot. Um, yeah. And I think it makes it a bit hard, but then I guess that's that's how you do it, isn't it? It's just so different also too from like live music photography because like with live music you're you're talking about like the split second of something happening on stage and there's something engaging going on. And then for like landscapes or traveling, I'm like, okay, well that's really pretty, but there's like nothing else necessarily going on. And it's kind of hard for me to like flip my mind in the idea of like, okay, I'm taking a picture of like the frame instead of like the action within it. It's very different, you're right. No, yeah, you're totally right. I've never thought about it in that way, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's completely opposite because yeah music yeah. photography is intense like gosh you've got like three songs and you're out sometimes you only get one song and you're out um but yeah but with landscape it's it's more i don't know i don't know how to explain it really just i think if it looks good i just take a picture yeah <laughs> i don't overthink it but it's a music photography you think about it don't you um like of course you think about the composition and whatnot of um like landscape but yeah, yeah. There's no pressure, is there? It's just sort of like snap and go, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you have more. T- you have more time to like set up a scene and everything too. And in concerts, it's like every little second you got to keep moving. You got to keep doing, you know, something else. It's it's really cool that you're able to do both. It's pretty decent, but um, in when I went to Iceland a few years ago, um. I was lucky enough to experience the Northern Lights, and that was very much like being at a concert. <laughs> because really, yeah, absolutely. Because the timing of it, the Northern Lights come and go, so they could come for 
a split second and then be gone, or maybe like three seconds. Um, it's very much like um like a concert, yeah, definitely. Um, wow. And that was really hard to photograph because it was freezing cold for one. It was God knows what time it was, and um, couldn't even feel my fingers. <laughs> and we were on the outside of Reykjavik, like an hour away from something like that. Oh no! And I had to set the camera up on the floor, um, in the weirdest of angles. Um, I think that's that's probably the most challenging sort of uh, travel photography I've done, and um, because it was God, that yeah, it was hard. Wow, I had no idea. I don't. I I've never seen the Northern Lights, but I I don't know. I thought that they were like stationary. I don't, I don't know. know why I had that in my mind. No, it's like waves. It's like they just change and the tones change. It's amazing. Very very magical. It's bonkers. Um. But yeah, if you do get to experience them at some point, definitely take a camera. Well, I guess I'm going to have to go see the Northern Lights now. Gosh, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so we've been talking for a while, and I want to be respectful of your time and everyone else that's listening to these podcasts, because I know that I I love asking a ton of questions and blabbering on for too long. But I only have two questions left for you, and one of them is kind of like, my like deeper more serious question and this is just to talk about like being a woman in the industry or just like being in the industry in general um I like to ask like if you've ever experienced any like prejudices or sexism from working in the industry if you've had any experiences that like you want to talk about or like bring light to um just because I think that it's really important to talk about because when I started out, and I think that I mentioned this already, um, it was very hard for me to, like, find another, like, role model, like, someone to talk to with my experiences, and there were quite a few, like, sexist things that happened to me that I had, like, no one to turn to to talk to about it. So, like, I like asking this question, like, if you've experienced anything um, and, like, how you worked around it, like, how you've kind of dealt with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, this is like the early days. Now I've, I've got to the point where I don't care because at the end of the day, it's still male-dominated, definitely, but there is, you know, there's a lot more female uh, photographers now, which is brilliant. I love to go to a show and there's actually yeah, more yeah. Uh, females in there than men, and I'm like, yes, finally. Um, but, yeah, when I was first starting yeah. out, <laughs> even now, like, I still, you still get comments uh, made by male photographers um, I had a male photographer ages ago, this was like when I first started out, um, making comments about how I shouldn't be using a flash gun at a show. Um, bearing in mind this was, you know, one of the local venues and I was just kind of doing my own thing, figuring out my style. Um, mm-hmm. Comments on how I should be holding my camera. Um, comments <laughs> on my editing process. Um, I've had all sorts to be honest with you. I've had this was more recent actually when I, I shot an event um last year, and there was a director of the event there, and there was a male photographer there, and I was there, and they were having a conversation with me, and then he literally just turned around, spoke to the male photographer, and then kind of walked off, and I was like. Oh, okay, like that is it. 
Um, it was very sort of disrespectful and derogatory because we were both there doing the same job, basically. Um, what else have I had? I've had, I've had some really weird experiences, but at the same time, I would say that sexism, um, prejudice, I'm a woman of colour. Um, I've never, you know, experienced, it's not something that I've totally took note of, to be honest with you. Um, but I think it's definitely harder to be a female photographer when it's male-dominated industry. I think it's getting better, but I think there's yeah. still a lot more to do. And I feel like that's to do with, you know, there needs to be more women in the music industry from the back end as well, not just not just the photography, not just the front end of things. There needs to be people in management that encourages, you know, let's hire a female photographer, for example. Um, yeah. But then again, you know, we're, we're at a time now where there are more female front-ended bands, which, again, it shouldn't be a thing, but it is, unfortunately. But then it, you know, it encourages opportunity for women to work with women as well, um, which is great. Yeah. And I honestly think that a woman's perspective on a subject is very different to male as well. Um, yes. So I think that's quite yeah. interesting. Whether, you know, your clients get to know that or appreciate that, I don't know, but there's definitely a different, you know, different um, angle that we shoot on. Um, so yes, definitely. I've had my fair share, but now I've had photographers actually ignore me. So we'll go, you know, I've been, we do get faces that come onto the scene and they'll drop off after 12 months because like we said before, it's a difficult industry. Um, all the people that I started out with, there's only maybe two or three people that are still doing it, um, and you know are making money from it. The people do drop off, but some of these photographers, again, they, they are male. Um, they'll ignore you. They can have a full blown conversation with other photographers in the group, but they'll just not speak to you at all, um, point blank, and. One of the guys had the audacity to do that, and then as soon as they thought that I was working with certain clients, I got a message on LinkedIn. Oh hi, um, I was just wondering, do you have the contacts of X, Y, and Z? Um, <laughs> and I thought, you know, oh my I'm not the sort of person that would um, like when I get an email asking, you know, X, Y, and Z, I always, always reply because I've been on the receiving end of that in the past. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to be that person that just ignores someone. But when, you know, people do this on purpose and disrespect you in certain ways, sometimes yeah. I just, now I just don't bother. I keep myself to myself. I get on with my work. I'm doing my thing. If you're going to show me disrespect, then so be it. That's up to you, but, um, yeah. You still get it. Yeah. I think I don't think it's ever going to go away. Unfortunately, I think you just have to yeah. learn to live with it. The idea of just like standing up for yourself and like doing your own thing is, I think, incredibly important to remember. It's like you know, in in any industry, there's going to be assholes. <laughs> just exactly. To be, yeah, yeah, just to be blunt. Um, but definitely you're going to face things when it's an industry that's male dominated. And there is a lot of change, I think, going on in our industry. And you mentioned, you know, women being in other positions where it's management, like PR, behind the scenes, like backstage work, lighting, all of that, like getting more women in those jobs is going to help out uh, like women photographers as well. Um, but just to like, 
have that change going on is fantastic. But at the same time, like the industry, I don't think is ever going to be perfect because there's always assholes somewhere. So just to like stand up for yourself and be like, no, you know what? I'm doing my own thing. If you don't like me, that's fine. Like you don't have to talk to me. Like I'm, I'm just going to be me over here. You know, I know what I'm about. Uh, bye. <laughs> you know, exactly yeah. that. And it, it, you know, when you keep your head down, um, you got a lot more done. You know what I mean? It's best to just kind of, as long as you know what you're doing and why you're doing it, that's the main thing. Okay, so my last question is I just wanted to uh, ask you, what's the best piece of advice that you would love to pass on to anyone that's listening? Um, you know, I always come back to this one thing where um, I used to work with <clears throat> someone at Apple and they said to me once, I can't remember what happened, but he, he turned around and said, the only person that's stopping you from progressing is yourself. And that's something that's that's really stuck with me um, ever since I left that job because I think it's so relevant with our industry for one, but also just everyday things. Um, the same way that you sort of think, okay, I've got this goal, but um, you know, I've had like ten rejection emails and just heard nothing. You can either sit there and dwell on it, and then that's it, end off, or you can carry on do what you're doing, think of the long-term goal, pace yourself and gradually get there because you're the only person that's stopping yourself. Um, and you know what I mean? You'll you'll get there if, if you've got a passion for it and you actually believe in yourself. And the other thing I would say is just don't be a dick to people because <laughs> the network is very small. It's, you know, you, yeah, think yeah. you think the industry is big it is, but actually it's not because your key contacts are just there. And now with social media too, it's so easy to connect with these people. It's be, it's easier than it's been like ever before. Um, yeah. And I think being kind, just being genuine, just be yourself, gets you further than, than you think. You might think that having an ego is a positive. You might think that treating you know people with disrespect in the industry is is you know great but it's not the long-term game it's yeah. really not worth it yeah i love that that's all great advice and uh the don't be a dick thing comes up pretty often <laughs> which is so funny like i think that we've all dealt with just too many of them awful people yeah yeah and we just like don't want to deal with it yeah i think it's hard to find genuine people sometimes in the industry as well because they, yeah. you know, they get wrapped up in like the job title and things, and hopefully from this whole COVID thing where people are literally lost. It. Unfortunately, obviously, have lost their jobs, have lost clients, things like that. You know, you've got to question: Am I am I a decent person? What a uh, very strong note for us to end on, but that's all the questions <laughs> that I have. Uh, pretty, thank you so much. I loved talking to you. I think that your your portfolio and your work speaks for yourself. And like, honestly, having you know someone else who like I've looked up to your stuff. Like you've been you know trying to do the things that 
to me are like my goals. Like I want to give back to my community. I want to, you know, be a place that like talks about education and supports other people. And like you've, you've been doing that with, you know, your own like teaching, uh, giving back to people on your YouTube channel. You know, we talked about local bands and everything. So it's, it's just been an honor for me to talk to you. So thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. It's been quite fun. It's great. It's great to connect. Um, since, you know, since we met on YouTube too. So thanks so much um, for this. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So before we sign off, can you give a quick shout out for where people can find your work and follow you on social media? Oh God. Okay. So you can find me on www.pshikotra.com, which is P-S-H-I-K-O-T-R-A.com. Um, and it's the same handle, Pisha Culture Photo, on Instagram. Wonderful. Um, everyone who is listening, uh, thank you so much if you have listened this far because I know that the things that you've talked about, Pretty, are um, so important. So I think that it's great for everyone that's listening. Um, but yeah, I am just so excited again to have you. So thank you so much. And I will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.